If I haven't met you before, I'm Matt, and I'm the youth pastor here at, um, at Harvest Community Church. And uh, to kind of preface what we're going into, a little over two years ago, um, I found something uh, to be new in my life. Uh, people would come up to me and ask me, Matt, how are you doing? And more often than not, I responded to them with, I'm busy. It's not even I'm good or I'm okay or, uh, or even life's hard right now. I'd respond with, I'm busy. And even as we look past, at this past week at our lives, how many times when someone has asked you how you're doing as well, how many times have you responded, I'm busy? Um, and the symptoms of my busyness, and maybe you can relate with this as well, was things like wishing there were more hours in a day, feeling like life was a constant merry-go-round that I couldn't get off of, anxious about deadlines and obligations, feeling too hurried in the week or in a day for time with Jesus, in a constant state of just perpetual tiredness all the time. And uh, one day, a little over two and a half years ago or so, um, Kathleen, before um, we were even dating, she um, kind of heard where I was at in the midst of this, knew that my life was really full, and she asked me, Matt, have you ever thought about um, the practice of Sabbath? Like, have you ever thought about having this 24-hour period, this day set aside um, to rest from work? And at the time, I couldn't imagine a world um, where uh, I could actually stop uh, for a whole day, not work, and just rest in the Lord. Because to be honest, to me, I was too important to too many people. Um, and I felt like the weight of the world uh, on my shoulders, that if, if I were to take a day off, everything would kind of crumble around me. But two years later, I'm in a lot healthier place. Um, God's used a lot in my life to bring me out of this place of just saying I'm busy to people. Now, that does happen, especially with camps coming up. This is one of those, like, seasons of life right now where it's like, oh, yeah, I feel that a little bit again. Um, but God really has, as, as I've started practicing um, Sabbath and honoring the Sabbath, and we'll talk about more what that means and what that actually looks like, God's used that in my life to bring about a lot of health, um, not just on one day, but on the whole week. Um, And so that's what we're diving into today. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. Jesus, we thank you that you are Lord of the Sabbath, that you are Sabbath rest itself, both now and forevermore. So God, help us this morning um, to hear what you would say to us in a culture that uh, keeps propelling us forward to say, um, go, 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 work, 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 do, do, do. And God, we want to be your people. Um, we we want to be in this world, but not of this world. So help us to live differently. Help us to see you um, and how you're the God that gives us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness. In your name, amen. All right, so uh, we've been in a, a series going through the book of Exodus, and we're actually going a little bit out of order this morning. Uh, so where we left off, um, we actually skipped over all of chapter 19, um, and next week Andrew Hurst is teaching for the first time, so you should be there, for, be here for that. Um, but he's actually going to give us a little bit, unless he changed things since last we talked, a little recap um, to bring us to the point that we're at now, kind of the story so far, because there's this huge moment that we're diving into here in chapter 20 where God 
speaks to his people. He gives them the famous Ten Commandments. Um, And if you remember the story, if you're joining us just for the first time, this was an oppressed people, uh, a people put into slavery. um, for, For 400 years they were in Egypt. And then God comes using Moses and Aaron and brings them out, rescues his people. And then in this moment, we see that God wasn't just going to be their rescuer, but he was also going to be their redeemer as well. He wasn't just going to save them, but he was going to redeem them. He was going to take their identity as a worker and as, as a slave and give them a new identity as his chosen and beloved people. And these commandments that he gives them were to be an expression and a response to how they should live because because they are God's people. It was adding to their identity. They, they were having to relearn who they were. Many, like, like for many of us too, when we first believed, when we first came to know Jesus, we had to take on this new identity. This last couple weeks at youth group, we've been talking about Colossians 3 a lot of this putting off our old ways, the ways of the world, and putting on. And we see God taking his people through that process as he gives them his commandments to them. Um, so as we're diving into later on a couple commandments in in verse 8, remembering the Sabbath, I hope after next week in what Andrew shares, kind of setting up these commandments, you can kind of like even read, it's crazy, you can read it on your own, this section on this commandment of the Sabbath and take into context what Andrew's going to add to it as well. But even um, as we, uh, well, actually let me, let me read this passage for us. So Exodus chapter twenty. Verses 8 through 11. The Lord says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So the Sabbath was intended to be this 24-hour period of rest for God's people. And even as I'm maybe talking about it now, or you even hear the word Sabbath, um, there's probably a couple different camps of people in this room. Maybe you're hearing this, this word Sabbath kind of for the first time today, and you're like, I have, I have no idea what that is. Growing up, I kind of attributed Sabbath just to Sunday or like church or something like that. I really didn't know what it meant whatsoever. Maybe some of you here are practicing the Sabbath currently. There's a day that you've set aside to not work, to rest, and, and dive into some of the things that we're going to talk about today. And hopefully today is just an affirmation and an encouragement for the rest that you're already um, practicing. But for some of us, um, we might have some Sabbath baggage, right? Um, for years, uh, the church kind of has had, it, the church kind of does this a lot of the time. We, we like to pendulum swing. We do this as people a lot of the time, too. And Sabbath was one of those practices that for a while we were over here on this pendulum spectrum of it being a day that was full of legalism. Even in Jesus' day, we see that the Pharisees just implemented all these restrictions and things that they said you could not do on this Sabbath day. Uh, I know my parents were even affected um, by, by this in, in growing up in the church, that it was just this day full of what you couldn't do. It felt life-sucking as opposed to life-giving. But really, the church isn't in that place anymore. That was more like, I don't know, the last, before, before 2000, before Y2K, it changed everything. Um, 
Yeah, millennials barely know what we're talking about right now. Um, I am a millennial. Uh, <laughs> funny how that works. Okay. Um, so, but really where the church has swung since Y2K um, in a lot of ways is, is disregarding the Sabbath altogether and kind of pendulum swinging far over on this side now where we don't see any value for it and we're actually afraid of legalism. I don't know where everybody sits um, with that, but as I've talked to people about the Sabbath, as I've read up on the Sabbath as well, um, you get all different sorts of people with different experiences. Maybe you grew up in a home where you remember even as a little kid, like you couldn't go outside and play with your friends or you couldn't do this thing or that thing and you just had to stay in your home and read scripture and pray and only by candlelight or, you know, things like that, that you're like, this is the dumbest day ever. Um, and, and we've all got stuff like that that's added to why, when we hear the word Sabbath, um, what our experience has been and what we think about it. And my hope today um, is, is not for us to walk out of this place going, I'm going to practice the Sabbath. Um, but my hope is that we'd, we would hear God's heart for the Sabbath, what God intended for his people to begin with, um, and, and for us now. So, uh, as Gary, Greg, and I were talking about this passage, Gary really pointed out how um, God kind of un- unfolds his heart for the Sabbath and his instruction for the Sabbath throughout Scripture. That it's not like we get it all in one nugget, in one space. That from, from Genesis through Hebrews, um, we kind of see what God means for rest for his people. And we're going to kind of navigate through a lot of that um, before we get to some of the practical application. So let's get going. Um, you don't have to turn, but you can. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. Uh, this is where God, creator God, uh, the uncreated God, begins to create. And, and he breathes, and, and he separates light and darkness. He, he brings planets and stars and the sun and the moon, and, and he brings water, and, and he forms planets and separates the water from the land and has fish and animals in the sea dwell and animals on land and birds of the air um, and vegetation And then he looks and says after day five that it was good. And then God says, but I'm going to do something else. I'm going to make man and woman in our own image. um, And they will inhabit the earth. And then God looks back after that sixth day and says, this is very good. He delights in what he has made. And then we come to chapter two of Genesis, um, where it says this. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Six days of work, a a seventh day where God chooses to rest. And I don't think God was tired or worn out, right, from, from his work of creating We know that God is the God who doesn't sleep. He doesn't rest. Even as we sleep, he still is in control through the night. But what God does is he looks back on what he's created, and he's like, there's nothing else to add to this. This is good. I'm going to delight in what has already been done and sit in it and delight in it, take heart in it and enjoy it and rest in the fact that it's good. 
Here we see um, that God pronounces this seventh day a holy day, and it's actually the first time the word holy is used in Scripture. And the Hebrew word that's used here is kadash, meaning to sanctify, hallow, dedicate, prepare, consecrate, appoint, and purify. Like God has set apart this day that is to be different than the other six days in, in, in the fabric of creation itself. We don't actually see the word Sabbath come up until Exodus 16, as we talked about maybe a couple months ago as, as, we, as we've been going through Exodus, where it's just right after God's led his people out of Egypt, um, parted the waters they come through, uh, and, and, and they're, they're out in the wilderness, out in the desert. Um, and in Exodus 16, uh, verse 23, um, God says this, He said to them, This is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. And then later in verse 29, bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. This was a people that had been oppressed um, by Pharaoh for a long time. Their identity had been defined for them by their oppressors. And now God was rescuing, rescuing them, taking them out of that and saying, I, your creator, I'm going to define who you actually are. Um, and so in that, all they had ever known is working and working really hard. Otherwise, they're getting beaten or they're getting rations taken away from them or whatever the case may be in that. Um, their identity was as a slave. And so God, in giving them the Sabbath as well, is like, you need to learn how to rest in me. That this is not fully in your control and what you can do. Trust me. Each one day each week, remember that your trust ultimately is in me, so that pours out into your very identity for the rest of the week as well. It says in 29, it says that the Lord has given you this Sabbath. This is a gift, like, to God's people. Later in Mark 227, Jesus talks about the Sabbath, and Jesus in his day, um, he was, he seemed like to the Pharisees a rebel with the Sabbath, doing all these miracles and, and um, teaching and doing all these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That God looked at man and saw what man needed and said, here is a Sabbath, here is a gift, a gift of time. Not, I made man under the confines of needing to fit into the schedule that I've made for them. This is a gift to us. Later on in Hebrews 4, the writer talks about how we enter true Sabbath rest, another unfolding of this picture of Sabbath in Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and conquering the grave. We have true rest for our souls in him. And while we experience that now in this day and age, also there is a rest that waits for us. There's a rest in eternity where there is no more pain. There's no more sorrow. There's a true rest for our souls forever, a Sabbath rest that God has waiting for us as well. And so Sabbath is a way to look for, to remember what Jesus has done, what he invites us into, and to look forward to what he's going to do in heaven and earth crashing together, his kingdom coming in its fullness. So as we look at Sabbath, we see that it is a time God has pronounced as holy, that it's woven into the very fabric of creation. 
that the Sabbath was made for and given to us. And it's a reminder of the rest we have gained now and forevermore. So what might this look like? Um, even a, before I go on, I think uh, there's kind of this, this thought of like, so is this like a commandment that we can break now? Like, can we break the Sabbath? And as I looked into some of that, uh, there's a lot of people that still disagree on this, um, that, that say that, no, you need to keep the Sabbath as a commandment. And, and from talking with Gary and Greg once again and, and looking into some authors that I really trust, um, it's not something that God like holds over our heads as like, you must do this. But it's more of a, this is what I've given to you, and I know you, I created you, and this is good for you. And I say that it's good that you live into it. And yet, it's not held against us as some sort of sin that we might fall into, some sort of trap by breaking it. And maybe even in this room, some people differ in, in their opinion with that. Um, and, and I think at this point, that's okay. Um, and Paul says that there are some um, that, that say this day is more important for, than, than another, and there are others that don't think that there is a day that's more important than the other, but we're to honor one another in the midst of that. Um, so even as we go forward, have that in mind that personally, I don't have it all figured out like in, in, in how we're to uphold this or how we're to live into us, but I have seen God say this is good. So, um, what does this practically look like? Like, so say we're, we're here today and we're like, I want, I want to start practicing the Sabbath. Like, I want to experience this Sabbath rest that we're talking about, that we see God has said is good enough that even in creation itself, God stops and rests for a 24-hour period. There's a book I've been reading. It's called The Emotion, uh, Emotionally Healthy Leadership. It's by Peter Schizero. He has a couple other books as well, Emotionally Healthy Church, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, that kind of looks at a whole person, and as a whole person, how do we follow God? How, how do we um, follow him with our, our mind, heart, soul, and strength? Um, and Peter Schizero, ex-pastor, uh, has kind of broke it down to four main components containing a Sabbath day that's set apart, that's different than the other six days of the week, and they're these. To stop to rest, to delight, and to contemplate God. But before we dive into each of those, like, does the day itself matter? Um, and maybe that picture that was even up there, you look at it like, that does not look like rest to me. I'm getting anxious just thinking about it. When I saw it, I was like, whoa, that'd be really cool if I could be that person, but no. Um, <laughs> but it's a really cool picture. Uh, so does the day matter? And there's been lots of controversy of this over the years. There's been church splits. There's been denominations that take place um, because they've said one day matters more than the other. But if we dive back into Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 and 10, it says this, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. That There's kind of this, this cycle that six days of work, rest day. Six days of work, rest day. That's both paid and unpaid work as well. Because if, while Sunday 
can be a really great day for Sabbath rest. For maybe a lot of people here, it's a natural day a lot of the time. Many of us um, have off. It's a great time to join in Sabbath rest together as a community. Uh, For me personally, this is not a restful day. (laughs) Hardly ever, right? Um, Like I'd love to say right now, I'm super rested, not anxious or nervous at all. That's not true. Um, (laughs) And and this is work um, in a lot of ways. I enjoy it. I love it. But it's also work. Um, So my wife and I, what we've been doing is setting aside a 24-hour period on Saturday and resting that whole day instead. And some of you, I know maybe you've even felt restricted in the past, like, I don't have Sundays off. I don't have Saturdays. My weekend is Monday and Tuesday. Like, how do I do this? Or I, I work where then Wednesday, halfway through the day, I'm off, and then I don't start until halfway through Thursday, or maybe there isn't even a 24-hour period currently you can find in your schedule that it's like, I could rest that whole time. What I see is that God's rest is good for us, and the more that we choose to enter into it and find space to enter into it, the better. And maybe we even have to look at our schedules a little differently and reorient some things in our schedules to enter God's rest. We see that we often have to reorient our lives to align ourselves more with what God says is good. But don't let the day, like, hang you up there. Um, There's freedom in the midst of that. Um, The author Peter Scazzaro actually connects this um, to the sabbatical sabbatical rest for the land uh, that God had the Israelites uh, impose as well. They got to work the ground for six years, um, harvesting, tilling the soil. And then on this seventh year, there was to be a year of rest for the land itself. And Peter Schizero says this, They needed a year of rest to replenish the depleted nutrients in the soil. To work the soil year after year without this rest would have left the soil infertile. And the soil of our souls is not all that different. We need to stop. We need to be replenished by the Lord. Because as I go through a week, and I work, and I pour out a lot of the time, I can end up feeling pretty empty if I don't run back to Jesus to be filled up. So, the first one, stop. I know that my life has a tendency uh, to be more and more full and that I don't need to even just choose things to add to my plate. A lot of time, other people will add things to my plate. For you parents in here, um, you've got some people in your life that are really good at adding stuff uh, to your plate as well. Um, There's an article I read um, from CNN where there was a doctor um, who's a Christian that they interviewed who um, said that there's something to be said um, for us physically um, and emotionally, mentally, about having a stop day. Um, And he actually, in this article, was linking to the lack of rest in our culture um, in this day to the increases we see in anxiety and depression a lot of time because we're just adding to our plates going forward. And, And he compared it to when we do this, a lot of time we're getting shots of adrenaline to take on each task. Um, but if he was to come here right now and give me a huge shot of adrenaline, um, I'd be really jazzed and psyched, and this would probably be going better. Um, but, uh, I would have a really big come down from that. There'd be a moment where all of a sudden I feel like, oh, like I've got nothing left. And what we do is we don't let ourselves come to that come down a lot of the time because it's like a boost of adrenaline, another boost of adrenaline to keep us going, going, going until finally we have space. And then that's usually where burnout happens, where we fall apart. Um, 
where we enter that space and see what's actually there within us. And it's a scary thing. And we don't know what to do with it. And we feel like we just need to add more in order to keep going. By stopping from all work, we acknowledge that God is the one holding all things together. That our world revolves around him, not what we're able to do. And isn't that the message of the gospel? That it's not by our own acts of work that we're saved, but it's by the God who does immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. We take a day to set aside and remind ourselves that there's nothing more that I could add or achieve that Christ hasn't already achieved in the greatest achievement of all time that man has ever seen. And we get to sit in and rest in that, that God is at work. And that's a good thing, even when I'm not. Schizero writes, on the Sabbath, we embrace our limits. We let go of the illusion that we are indispensable to running the world. We recognize we will never finish all our goals and projects and that God is on the throne, managing quite well and ruling the universe without our help. Next one's rest. So how do we rest? How do you rest? Well, true rest is what replenishes us, what replenishes those nutrients like in our soil that's depleted. For me, um, and I didn't even know this until I actually stopped and had this day that was set aside on Saturdays, I actually like reading. I didn't think I did, um, but I enjoy reading a good book. My wife and I um, disagree sometimes on what is a good book. Mine's usually more like the fifth grade level, um, but I'm working at it, okay? I just figured out I like this again, so I'm like referring back to when I liked it last time. Um, <laughs> Uh, we, we love resting by, by going outside, being in God's creation, taking in that God's the one that did all of this. Not me. I didn't make that tree, right? <laughs> um, and I get to delight in the beauty of it. We, we go slow throughout the day. It's never a rush to get somewhere or to be somewhere or do anything. It's taking it as it comes to us. Uh, it's enjoying really good food, um, which for newlyweds is like, every other month, um, but, but enjoying that good food, taking it in and, and saying, thank you, Lord, this is good. For you, it may be riding a bike or going on a hike um, or enjoying this board game or this group game together as a family or as a community. Um, it may be a hobby that during the rest of the week you wish you had more time for it, like to get your creative juices flowing. For those of you that are artists, getting to create and paint. For those of you that are musical, like sitting down and, and, and not working on your instrument to get better, but enjoying what God's already given you, writing, creating songs. What rest isn't uh, a lot of the time, and, and I think that I just, for, for a lot of my adult life, probably my whole life, I just haven't rested the right way, especially as we've, we've gone into this 21st century of, of, of rest looks like binge-watching Netflix, right? Like sitting down and watching a whole season in, in one day or, or, or binge-working out even just for hours and hours and hours at a time in a day or, or binge-sleeping or binge-whatever. Binge Whenever we binge and just take, 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 take in, a lot of the time, we don't feel good afterwards. It actually feels like, oh, that was way too much. And this day that's set apart and that is different, 
um, is to be different than the rest of the days. Like, while Kat and I, a lot of time, we will watch something on Netflix, but we don't just spend our whole day doing that. We enjoy it for what it is in that moment, and then we move on. Um, and, and so know, like, what ways, as, as you start to think about this day and w- maybe wanting to practice this, how do you rest collectively? What actually rejuvenates you? What actually replenishes you and your heart? Um, and some things are restful for one person and not for another. Uh, Sometimes um, cooking is one of those examples. For some of you here, cooking is what you do day in, day out, um, three meals a day, seven days a week, and it is not a restful thing. Uh, For some of you, though, you enjoy getting to create a meal and put things together and enjoy the, the, the work of your hands and the whole process, too, not just the final product, but the whole process. Greg loves doing yard work. I'll never understand it, but he does. He talks to me about blueberry bushes and a pear tree, I think, and I'm like, dude, I am, we are in different worlds right now. Um, <laughs> I'm still talking about the blazers, and he's moved on. Um, uh, But for Greg, that actually is a restful thing. He feels like his mind is at ease while he's working with his hands. For me, that would not be a restful thing. So for each of us, it may look a little different what's restful. And this is going to take practice, too, and planning. Uh, A big reason that I don't rest a lot of the time is there's so much that's still on my mind of what I need to do. Uh, for the Israelites, God, God had them collect a double portion of food before their Sabbath day so that they wouldn't even have to worry about that on the day of. A lot of the time, Friday is a big day uh, for Kat and I where we have to get a lot of things done. Um, and we have to make sure that those things are done and off our minds and off our plates so that we're not thinking about it that next day and actually get to rest. And sometimes that goes really well, and sometimes it doesn't. This takes practice. This takes years, I've heard, of learning how to do this well. Next one is delight. And I think I've shared this before, but I'm just not super great at celebrating things or enjoying things right there in the moment. It usually takes me a little while. Um, and, and sometimes the only day that we're thankful out of the year and reminded of it is on Thanksgiving. Uh, but Sabbath can be a time that's set aside to really take in the small things that are around us all the time. Our spouse or our brother or sister, the tree that's outside our back window, the walk that we always go on, the smell of a fresh cup of coffee that we have every day, multiple times a day for some of us. Um, and, and, but we never stop and just delight in how good it is and give thanks to God for giving us this. Um, even small things like hot water for a shower, that's awesome. And like getting to just delight in that with the Lord, delight in company, in people, um, sharing in what God has given us and acknowledging him for it. The last one is kind of a summation of all of these things and needed to be threaded into all these things because really a Sabbath day isn't just for us to like do whatever we want and enjoy what we want, right? And just continue to, to um, add on to our recreation. But really what this day is about is a day with God 
contemplating God, a day where we stop, we rest in delight, and see that the Lord is with us in all these things. And we as his people are acknowledging and choosing to be with him. Sabbath is intentional time to recognize that God is the God of the universe and that that God is with us and we're with him. It's a great day to read scripture, a great day to pray, a great day to enjoy worship of many forms. Um, and one of the things Kat and I want to start doing, even as I was preparing for this sermon, is, is it's a day where I want to look back on the week that was and see where God was at work. Because sometimes I move so quickly past a day or past a week, I totally miss out on all that God already did because I'm on to the next thing, the next thing on my to-do list or the next youth group. And I don't just sit in how good it was that I had that conversation with that kid or that God did that thing in my heart to help me love my wife better or that our neighbor reached out to us thanking us for being good neighbors. I don't sit and like, God, where are you at work? And it's a day that we can process God's goodness to us throughout the week and then look forward to what he's going to do this next week as well. It's a time that's good for silence as well. For, for a time, it doesn't need to be the whole day. Silence is a hard thing for us in this day and age. It's hard to just sit and be still and know that he is God. We want all these other things to tell us that he's God. But God asks us at times to just sit. Jesus did this often. Just go off to lonely places to be still and know who his father was. A way that goes against this being able to happen a lot of the time is, is because we're so plugged into so many things. Um, this is my best way of not being able to recognize God in my day-to-day. So it's a day that, that my wife and I, we're trying to get better at this too, try to have our phones off or on airplane mode the whole day. And I'm not saying you have to do that. Um, when I first started doing that, it was scary because um, then where's my crutch, like in an awkward moment or um, when I don't have anything to do. But it's a day we try to just be with each other and be present and be with God and be present and have our phones set aside. It'll be there the other six days of the week. Maybe some of you, it's your laptop, and when you look at it, all you can see is work. Maybe shutting that bad boy down for the day, putting it in the closet. Um, maybe it's things like you're always connected to, to music or always connected to video games or, or whatever it might be, but choosing to say, you know what, on this day, it's going to be set apart. It's going to be different than what I go to the rest of the time and just see how God uses that, how God honors that in that day. So even as I've been talking, like I, I want to acknowledge a couple things. Families, uh, I've heard I don't have kids of my own, but I've heard that there's some people that live in your house that are pretty unrestful sometimes. Um, and you're like, how the heck could we have a 24-hour period of rest um, when I have a whole human being of unrest um, that sleeps two doors down? Uh, and this will look different. This will look different for everyone. Um, across the spectrum. For those of you that are in school still, this will look different, and there will be hard things to have to navigate in it. Um, but while I don't have kids of my own, I, I work with kids, um, and I've worked with kids the last seven years, and one of the things that I've seen um, in, in high schoolers and, and middle schoolers 
is they're growing up in a culture that tells them you need to achieve and you need to go and you need to gain, not just the American culture, but specifically Camus too. Um, so many students I have conversations with where they're having a big life meltdown as they feel like they're not living up to who they're supposed to be. Um, and they've put their identity into this thing or, or into this club. And then when they lose it or when they actually don't love it anymore, like their whole world starts to fall apart. If we start raising kids in them knowing, understanding, and relishing rest, like it helps them see that there's a day where I don't have to do in order to be seen or to be known, that I am seen and I am known by the God of the universe. There's a day where I can rest. And anxiety and depression is running rampant through our culture and our society here in Camas right now. More and more kids I talk to struggle with anxiety. This is a day that we can help battle against some of those things. Show our kids that, that where we live, we're going we're gonna to work against this and we're, we're going um, to choose to put rest um, before work for a day of the week. Uh, another thing I was really surprised to recognize with kids is um, how much they miss their parents that work a lot, especially the younger kids. I got to go to a middle school camp one time, and this kid, like, the main thing you want to keep talking about, how he missed his dad, because his dad was here one week and then gone traveling for a whole week at a time. Um, and, and kids want quality time with you. It may not feel like that, at times, it may, they may not even show it or say it, but they actually long for it. Um, they long for it because we were created to have that quality time with one another. And the Sabbath can actually be something that your family looks forward to and enjoys together. Uh, it can be the day where it's like, hey, on Sabbath day, we have hot chocolate to start our day every single week. Or, or on Sabbath day, we always go to the park and bring umbrellas because where we live. Um, or on the Sabbath day, um, it's family movie night, but we're going to choose the movie the night before because sometimes that's pretty stressful as well. Um, or sa- fa- uh, on Sabbath day, it's family game night or, or it's quality time where one parent takes this kid and this parent takes these two or, or whatever it may be to really get to be together. Not a day of restrictions and saying you can't do this can't do that, but a life-giving day that shows us what life truly is about with God. Um, John 15, 4 says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. What I've seen for my life is setting this one day aside um, and, and I've, I've had really awesome Sabbath days, and I've had terrible ones. Um, just ask me about it later, how my cat likes to screw up Sabbath for me. Um, <laughs> unbelievable. Um, but what I've seen is that it's, it's helped me to long for time with God throughout the day um, during the other six days of the week. That there's times where I need to step away from the office. If you ever drive past here, I'm usually like walking around the parking lot. Just spending time with God, going out into the neighborhood, just spending time with God, because he's shown me how much um, time with him means to me, how much I need it, that my soul longs for it. We're going to sing a song um, towards the end of today that's like, there's no place I'd rather be than in, here in your love. 
And I think if we were to sing a song seven days of the week, it'd probably be, there's a lot of places that I'm choosing to rather be than here in your love. And I've seen that I need to stop and just soak in that, God, your love is all that I need, that you're the one who speaks who I am so that I might function in these other six days rightly with you. Um, To wrap up, there's a story of Jesus. Uh, He goes into a home of two sisters, and one sister's running around like mad, working hard, creating, preparing a meal and cleaning um, because Jesus is there. And there's another sister who stops what she's doing, comes to Jesus's feet, and, and listens to him, spends time with him. And the first sister is super angry that her, her sister isn't working like she is, like mad. And Jesus tells her, you're worrying about so many things, but your sister has ultimately chosen what's better. She's chosen to be with me at my feet. Sabbath helps remind us who has truly captured our hearts that we have been set free to be God's people and to be with him every day out of the week. If you have questions about any of this, I'd love to talk to you about it more, but I'm going to pray and invite the band up as we continue on in our worship service with some songs together. God, I thank you that you are on the throne, and I know I need to stop to recognize it a lot of the time. Because I, I do, Lord. I think that I'm so important to, to each and every day. And, and God, I thank you that you are the one that holds things together. So God, as a, as a church in a, in a community and in a culture um, that goes nonstop a lot of the time and doesn't have space a lot of the time and wishes there was more hours in the day, God, we, we want you um, to be the one that dictates to us how to live We truly want our hearts to be set and focused on you, where you're at work, what you're saying to us, and what you're saying about yourself. Would we start to think about our time differently, Lord, because we want all of our time to reflect our relationship with you. Your name, amen.